Let's look at tonight's game, Spurs-Pistons. Has Wemby turned the corner? And what was it like that very first Spurs game in San Antonio? You are Locked On Spurs, your daily San Antonio Spurs podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, this is Hot Rod. And I'm RC from the Cybertron Spurs. And you're listening to Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia. Welcome back to Lockdown Spurs. We're here on the Lockdown NBA Network. I'm your host, Jeff Garcia. Spurs writer for Ken's 5 San Antonio. Glad to have you all back. You guys are the everydayers. We appreciate you subscribing to Lockdown Spurs on YouTube, Ken's 5 Plus app, Spotify, iTunes, you know the rest. Thank you for making Lockdown Spurs your first and only stop for all things San Antonio Spurs. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. What are we talking about today? We're going to quickly preview tonight's Spurs-Pistons games, give you a few things to keep an eye on. Then we're going to bring in our guest, Raul Flores of the AP Radio. He and I are going to be discussing whether or not Wimby has turned the corner already in his rookie season. And he actually attended the very first game ever in San Antonio at the old Hemisphere Arena. He's going to take us down memory lane, uh, tell us what was it like, and so many more items. Look, look, I'm old enough even to remember going to Hemisphere Arena, so I actually chip in a little bit, but no, he definitely can tell you a lot of stuff, and you can hear about it. What was it like? What was the city like knowing that pro basketball was in San Antonio? But that's coming up next on Lockdown Spurs, but Tonight, your San Antonio Spurs will take on the Detroit Pistons. Blockbuster game, huh? <laughs> Battle of the worst teams in the NBA. The Spurs come into tonight's game 5-30. The Pistons 3-34. There's a first regular meeting, a regular season meeting between the two teams. The Spurs are on a five-game losing streak. Let's rewind the clock here. The Spurs are coming off a loss on the road to the Cavs. 117-115. and Tough, tough loss. Wimby watch. Wimby had 24 points and 10 rebounds on the night. So had 11 points and five rebounds. Kelton Johnson added 18. Devin Vassell had 22. Uh, injury report. The Spurs are likely or questionable to have Diakiti and Barlow in uniform. Why? G League responsibilities. Obviously, you know, the rest, Bassey, Collins, everybody else, you know, is out. The Spurs, if you're on Jersey Watch, will be in their black icon edition jerseys tonight. So what are some things we're going to look at uh, going into tonight's game? Let's start on the Pistons side. Keep an eye on Jalen Duran. This guy's already becoming a Spurs killer, right? Well, first of all, he ranked seventh in the NBA with 11.4 rebounds and fourth in the NBA with 3.6 offensive rebounds. Now, in the last meeting versus the uh, Spurs back in February 2023, he scored 30 points and 17 rebounds and four blocks against the Spurs. That Wimby Duran matchup could be interesting to watch. So keep an eye on Jalen Duran. Now, collectively, the last three games, well, two of the last three games, I should say, between the Pistons and the Spurs have gone into overtime. Yeah, so, so they have been competitive games between these two teams. So uh, don't be surprised tonight if the Pistons and the Spurs need extra time to settle things on the court. Now, also keep an eye on the scoreboard. If the Pistons are losing or trailing at home, they're 0-11. So keep an eye on that. If the Spurs are up at halftime, chances are good that the Spurs are going to get the W. Now, on the Spurs side of things, 
Uh, not only are the Spurs on a five-game losing skid, they're also on a two-game losing skid against the Pistons in Detroit. So they got a pair of losing straights to snap. So keep an eye on that. And some good news, though. San Antonio has recorded fewer turnovers than their opponents in the last three games. So that's a trend we like. They're valuing the ball. They're not giving up those second-chance opportunities. Uh, they're, they're making the best of it, basically. So they're keeping turnovers low. That's a good trend right now as the Spurs head into the Pistons uh, gym to hopefully get a W on the season. Yeah, I mean, I wonder why the uh, well the national broadcast don't, are not airing this game, right? Like, who's going to be, like, like happier? Like, the fan base, the Pistons, like, yeah, we lost. Our lot of rounds are up because San Antonio's on our heels. So, uh, yeah, fun game tonight, huh? Uh, well, when we get back, we're going to go to bring in our guest, Raul Flores of the AP Radio. He's been covering the Spurs for years now. And uh, we're going to be discussing whether or not Wimby has turned the corner already in his pro career. And then he's going to take us on a time machine back to when the Spurs played their very first game in San Antonio at the old Hemisphere Arena. So he's going to talk to us about that and more. That's coming up next on Lockdown Spurs. Well, before we continue our chat and bring on Raul Flores, uh, we're going to be uh, well, talking about a fan duel right now. Look, the NFL season is still underway, still going. It's wrapping up. But that doesn't mean you're missing out on the action only at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when they place a $5 bet. What more do you need to go to FanDuel? Let me repeat that. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is easy to use. There's so many different ways to play, you know, and bet. You can do same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explorer tab. They have the Parlay Hub, so you can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and that's the best way to find popular parlays. So much more money line spread. I mean, the list goes on and on. FanDuel is a great app. I have it. You should get it, too. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now and make your first bet a layup. Hey, Spurs, NBA season is going on. You need more action. Yeah, go to FanDuel. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Hey, guys, this is Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger, and you are listening to a Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia. It's morphin' time. And we are back right here on Locked On Spurs with a first-time guest. He is Raul Flores. Make sure to follow him on X at R-A-F-L-O-64. I wonder what that stands for. And (laughs) make sure you do that right now. (laughs) He is the AP radio guy out in San Antonio. He also helps with the AP radio and other outlets. Uh, He is a a former uh, sports writer for the San Antonio Express News from 1986 to 2003. Again, he is making his Lockdown Spurs debut. We're going to be talking about all things Spurs and Believe it or not, Raul, you're probably like one of the rare guests that I am not older than. You're actually older <laughs> than me. So, but but I'm glad you're here because in the final segment, I'm looking forward to that, is you were actually at the very, very first Spurs game in San Antonio. We'll talk about that later on the show. Raul, welcome to Lockdown Spurs. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, lo- love the love the decor there. Uh, so yeah, no, I figured I, I, I think. Yeah, I, I figured I would try to better. try to match yeah. it a little with uh, with some of my this, my. this is like two ends of the, the spectrum here. It's obviously what I should have in my background <laughs> versus my my side passions and my nerdiness being mm-hmm. shown here. I mean, look, I can't even escape it. I got a freaking transformer sweater. Exactly. On. I so I try wear... to balance it out. I say so I got a little Spurs cap on. I was going to wear my Captain America shirt. <laughs> That's fine. But first, 
Roll, you're gonna help me do some, uh, I guess, spotlighting on Wimby. So, you know, number one pick came with all this hype. We all know that. Everybody knows all the storylines. But here we are, well into his rookie season now, and he's put together a string of games that have been pretty impressive despite the losses mounting. The big question, Raul, is: Do we dare? Do we dare go there and say he has turned the corner already in his rookie season? He has established himself as a star. Has Wemby arrived? I I think he has. Uh, I think he's got his blinker on, and he's turning yeah. that corner. He's in the middle of turning that corner, uh, and uh, you know it, it was definitely a breakout game for him oh, yeah. uh, against Milwaukee. You know, just matching up against uh, against Antetokounmpo, uh, you know, is is a challenge, and mm-hmm. he held his own. So uh, I think people saw uh, what they've been expecting since day one, and uh, you know, I follow a lot of uh, a lot of chat groups on the Spurs, and and they're always talking down on on the Spurs and what a waste of a pick, and uh, you know, Chet Holmgren is Rookie of the Year, and you know, I just kind of laugh because it, they're fans. And, and most fans will speak with their heart rather than with, you know, analytics and, and just a, a, an objective view. They're very subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, you know, they want, they, they were expecting a championship the first year. It's not going to happen. And they say, mm-hmm. well, look what, look what David did. He turned the team around from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, the, the greatest turnaround in, in NBA history at the time. Look what Tim Duncan did. And, you know, granted it was his second year when they won the championship. David didn't win a championship until mm-hmm. Tim came along, but you put Wemby in a totally different situation. So if mm-hmm. you take out McDermott, which is, which he's in his ninth year in the league mm-hmm. and you, or 10th year now, he has nine years experience mm-hmm. and you take out uh, Zach Collins, mm-hmm. uh, who's now in his seventh year, he has six years mm-hmm. experience, but he missed, uh, yeah, he missed a two, lot. Yeah. two and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. So, you know, really his, his, Experience is not indicative of the six years of, of him being in the league. So you take out those two guys and you're talking about a roster that's 21, 22 years old average. And, and that's crazy. That's never been done. And you put Wemby, a 19 year old yeah. with these 21, 22, 23 year old guys. And, and you're expecting great things. It's going to take time. And I know, yeah, you know it, the, the expert it's going to take time. Uh, and But that's just the nature of the beast. That's the way it works. And these guys are mm-hmm. learning each other's, uh, you know, way, where they are on the court at all times. You know, you see a lot of silly stuff. You know, errant passes, guys not being in the position yeah, where the do. pass goes, uh, mm-hmm. defensive, you know, blunders. And that's all just part of the learning. And it's going to come. It, it's going to come. But Wemby, it, you know, that eight-foot wingspan, he, he's growing by mm-hmm. eight-foot wingspan yeah. every game. Uh, so Absolutely. You know, it's exciting to see what he's doing. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I, I think he has turned the corner already um, in his pro NBA career. And you're, you're, you're seeing it. And why? Because if numbers don't lie, well, then they're definitely not lying about Wemby in the last few games. So over the last six games in double-figure scoring, but in the last five games – 20-plus points or more, including a 30-point outing versus Portland in a win. So that was on December 28th. 
I, I like what I'm seeing out of him. It looks well. First of all, I think and a big reason for this turning the corner is the Spurs realize they got a a special player on their roster who's seven foot five. I mean, that was right. a big issue to start the season. So now they're feeding him. Yeah. So kudos, Spurs. Just took you how many games to figure that out? But regardless, you figured it out. <laughs> let's roll with it. And I think he has. And I think we're also seeing not just the numbers that we just talked about right now, you know, but the intangibles. Uh, I'm pretty sure you saw that viral video after the Cleveland game where he's exiting the, uh, the, the court going to the tunnel and he yells out an expletive. He says, bleep, you know, F, right. bleep. So you're seeing that. I've been at the games. You're, you're obviously there with the games at me on, on press row. And we're seeing him being a little bit more vocal with his teammates. Yeah. We saw him kind of talk with Blake Wesley for not seeing him for a wide open uh, shot. We're seeing how he talks to Trey Jones when Trey Jones missed that three shot uh, versus Milwaukee. So I think he's starting to put everything together. You know, this 20 year old kid is, is figuring out, you know, I think he's realizing that this is his team. He can't be assertive and what more assertiveness than you need than literally going behind pops back and checking yourself in after <laughs> you're being told not to. That was nuts. Yeah, that was nuts. Who, who, so who does that? Yeah. Wimby does that. That's who does that. Wimby does that. Yeah. So I, I think he has turned the corner. My only caveat to this is the rookie wall. It's getting close to it. Uh, once it hits him, how much of it's going to be impacting him? I don't think it's going to impact him as much, considering how the Spurs have been obviously load managing him for the past few games, minutes restriction. Right. But I, I think you're starting to see the complete package already. You're starting to see it. And dare I say, I would love to see how he looks like at this point of the season and at the end of the season. Your thoughts. Right. Yeah. So so the, the thing with him is, and, and I learned uh, this about him at media day uh, before the season started. He's very cerebral. One of the things that I saw early on was he didn't know where to be on the court. Mm -hmm. And in just, you know, whatever we are, what are they, six and... Six and 30, five mm -hmm. and 30, 35 30, games, yeah. 35 games into the season, you know, almost to the halfway point. He's seen where he needs to be. Mm -hmm. uh, one, one of his challenges has been his, you know, his, his, his foot placement, you know, whether it's, it's pointing in one direction, it doesn't make shifting to block a certain player or move into a position as easy. Well, now he's moving his feet over just a little bit enough mm -hmm. to make that cut to the basket and hopefully his, his teammates find him. So he, it, yes. it's, he's almost like AI, you know, it, it's okay. intuit, intuitive learning uh, as you go along and every player should be doing that. But when a 19 or 20 year old player is doing it, you you're really noticing it. And from where he was at game one to where he was at game 10, game 20 and game 30, it has been a, a, yeah. A, a steady growth. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see what what he's going to do by by the end of the season. Yeah, you're seeing that steady growth uh, just with the numbers. You're looking at last month of December, ten games played, eighteen point one points per game. Three games so far in January, twenty three point seven points per game. So you're seeing that. Um, you know, again, that's on a minutes restriction. So keep right. that in mind. So you're you're you you know you're seeing the progress there again. I, and I know the highlights are good, and I know, you know, oh, he dunked on this person, he hit three, and did you see the behind-the-back dunk that he did? You know, that's great, but I've been loving those intangibles. That's what 
I mean, because I think we all knew skill wise, bro, he was going to be fine. He was going to sure. be fine. He's going to take a little while to get going, but he'll be fine. Yeah. I really want to see how he's going to embrace being the man, the yeah. franchise, sure, the yeah. potential face of the league, Raul. Yeah. Get, getting acclimated to the game, you know, it, for for us, we think, well, why doesn't he just do this? Or why doesn't he just do that? Yeah. You know, wh whoever hasn't played the game doesn't really understand all the little nuances that go into being an NBA player. I mean, there's a reason yeah. that, that, you know, there are so many that don't make it in the NBA that you think, God, this guy should have been a, a shoe in to make it in the NBA. And there's a lot of little nuances that he picks up every game, mm -hmm. uh, like uh, positioning for a defensive rebound. Uh, granted, he's not picking up a whole lot of defensive rebounds, mm -hmm. uh, but when he does, it's because he's in the right place and he's mm -hmm. learning where, where to be on the court where he can make the most impact. Um, yeah. you know, the, the block shots that that's just crazy that, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is crazy. I, I'm curious. though. You, you said maybe what will convince Raul Flores to say, yes, he's turned the corner. Um, so he's got, he's got that aggressive edge that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. He's got to take it up one more notch okay, or two right. more notches where, okay. where he's totally demanding the ball. You know, that there's no reason that the offense should not run through Wemby. He, he, you know, he brings it up the court and then right away he passes it off. No, bring it up the court and make the defenders come out to you, then make the pass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, and, th there's still areas of improvement for him. You know, obviously the three shot is the biggest one. His field goal percentage could be a little bit better. Uh, but just in the last three games, you're looking at about 26 minutes per game, 23.7 points per game, 8.7 rebounds. 1.7 assists, one steal, close to five blocks a game. Not kidding you. 4.7. We're rounding it up. Five a game. So this is this is just incredible. It's just a shame, Raul, that the yeah. team has a we, horrible record. Yeah. We we were talking a while ago about uh before we went on air, uh about George Johnson uh yeah. blocking 13, 13 block shots in one game for, for Spurs record. I see Wemby breaking that at, at, at some point. Ooh. Um, that's a that's a great hot take there. Yeah, I, no, I, and, I, and yeah, maybe not, I'm maybe not this year, but yeah, at some point in his career, he will have the yeah. NBA record for block shots. Yeah, I, I agree with you there because you know he's going to fill out his body, so it's going to be a little like difficult for opposition to get out, get one on him. You know, speed probably get faster, leaner, quicker, mindsets better. You know, defensive schemes, all that good stuff. So yeah, I agree. I think he will. Yeah, uh, get very close to that. If not, I actually, you know, talk about hot take. You say he might, he's probably going to break that block record for the Spurs. I have him penciled down for getting a quad double in his career. Absolutely, I can see that coming. Oh yeah, yeah. I get, yeah, yeah. A quad double coming will be easy. Hey, we're done talking about Wimby. We're going to shift gears and take a trip back in memory lane. We're going to get in that time machine called Raul Flores, and he's going to talk to us about what it was like to attend the very first game in San Antonio at the Hemisphere Arena, and he's got to see the Silver and Black take court, take their first steps into the NBA. That is coming up next on Locked On Spurs. This is Emily Swallow, and you are listening to Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia. Before we continue our chat, this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNBA. Get on your way to being your best self with BetterHelp. Look, it's a new year. It should be a new year. You, right? 
look, you get obsessed with how to change yourself, just expanding on what you're doing all right. Maybe, maybe that's what you want to work on. Just continue doing what you're doing well. That's where better help comes in. What if you just want to organize that one part of your uh, home or you want to tackle another part? What about just getting tasks done? Uh, what about just committing to taking supplements every morning? You can do that, all of that with some guidance from BetterHelp. Therapy helps you find your strengths and so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really, really stick. So if you need to look for some positive coping skills, how to set boundaries, what empowers you to be the best version of yourself, then you have to try BetterHelp. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, you can match with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you have made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. This is Zach Aguilar, the voice of Tanjiro Kamado, and you're listening to Locked On Spurs with Jeff Garcia. All right, and we are back with Raul Flores. Make sure to follow him on X at RAFLO64. You want to do that right now. Once again, he is making his Lockdown Spurs debut. He writes for the uh, Spurs AP, well, AP Radio, I should say. writes about the Spurs for the AP Radio and other outlets. And he is also a guy who's going to take us back in time. A trip back in time where the Spurs just made their way from Dallas to San Antonio. Got into the NBA via the merger, ABA, NBA, and they're here. So what was it like at that very first game at the Hemisphere Arena? What was it like to sit in that stand? What was it like to see the ball go for the very first time? To hear those sneakers squeak in downtown San Antonio? Let's find out. Raul, uh, you know, again, it's always good to hear stories from, you know, from people like yourself who've been there, done that you know, old enough to remember what it was like for the Spurs to set their roots in San Antonio, but they're setting roots and then they're setting roots. And you were there for the very first game. Tell us about that. What do you remember? What was it like? What was the atmosphere? What was the city? Was the city buzzing about the NBA in San Antonio? There, there was a little buzz uh, going on, but uh, I think people were, you know, a, a, a little, uh, little timid about what was going on. Uh, you know, the Dallas Chaparrales were borrowed from Dallas uh, mm -hmm. at the time um, before the, the you know, uh, Red McCombs and, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and those folks brought the team for good to San Antonio. Right. But, you know, on October 10th, 1973, my dad, my grandpa and me uh, took a trip down to Hemisphere Arena and, uh, and we were there for opening night. Uh, wow. San Diego Conquistadors, uh, and we had pretty good seats. They, they, you know, they weren't down at the bottom, but there was mm -hmm. only one level all the way around, so it, that, it didn't yeah. matter. Uh, and uh, when when the Conquistadors came out, uh, you know, because we didn't know a whole lot about the San Antonio team, um, and but we knew who Will Chamberlain was, and oh, he was sure. he was the coach of the San Diego Conquistadors at the time. And so here I see, you know, seven foot. Wilt Chamberlain walking out and, and I was wow. awestruck. Uh, but then the game starts and, you know, the fans start cheering, uh, you know, in retrospect, it would have been cool to see like the city really rally behind mm -hmm. the team. But again, they didn't know what to expect. 
you know, the, the ABA was trying to compete with the NBA at the time. Uh, you know, it was, it, it was looked as, at as an inferior league, although some will argue that some of the best NBA players mm-hmm. in that generation came out of the ABA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a high flying, uh, you know, even the basketball, the red, white, and blue basketball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, distinguished it. And so, you know, before you knew it, you had 6,000 fans in a, in a 10,000 seat arena. Uh, so there was a, a, you know, almost half, uh, the seats were empty, but those 6,000 that were there, uh, you know, once, uh, once the Spurs started playing and, and, you know, every time they score, uh, <laughs> people were getting excited. Uh, I, it was my first look at James Silas, uh, oh, nice. number 13, the snake. It was, uh, it was really cool to, to, to see him. Uh, you know, and, and later as, as I started following the team, you know, we learned, you know, Kobe Dietrich and George Carl, who went on to be, become a, right. a, a great coach. Um, you know, they, they were all on the team. Uh, and, but it was, it was the beginning of, uh, of a passion for me. Uh, you know, I, I became a Spurs fan that night and have been following them, uh, ever since. And, and, you know, uh, so it was, it was really cool that, Mm-hmm. You know, from 73 to, to 85, I was a true fan, uh, you know, just a, a fan of the Spurs. And then in 86, when I started working at the Express News, I get a call from AP. Uh, one of the guys that, that was the AP writer here in San Antonio mm-hmm. needed some help uh, and and asked if I would cover that, uh, cover a Spurs game for him that night. Well, turns out I ended up covering quite a few games that year for, <laughs> for the Associated Press yeah. uh, in, in 86. So, you know, to, to be a, a, at that time I was 22, 23, you know, not, re, not far removed from my teenage years and, and being, mm-hmm. you know, still a fan of, of the Spurs to now be cover, covering them uh, w- was really cool. Um, and, and go back mm-hmm. to 1973 and that first night watching, mm-hmm. watching games in, in, in the hemisphere arena, you know, smoking was allowed in the arena yes, at the was. time. And, mm-hmm. and you'd see that cloud of smoke up, you know, mm-hmm. up near the ceiling, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the baseline bums were truly baseline bums, baseline man. Bums, Those guys yeah. were loud and rowdy, mm-hmm. and you know would throw beer at at guys like Larry Bird and mm-hmm. Carl Malone. And uh, I remember one time they had a piñata of Carl Malone. Oh uh, my goodness! And the, they they were hanging it as he was walking because the the baseline bums were right above right. Um, the yep. uh, the tunnel for the visiting team. And so uh, Big George was holding the piñata of Carl Malone. And as Carl Malone walked by, he just swiped at it and knocked it, <laughs> off, knocked it off and started stomping on it. And he got booed even more. Oh, it was pretty yeah. crazy. Yeah. So that sounds uh, great, like so much great, fun. great memories from, from Hemisphere yeah. Arena, uh, you know, watching them transition from the mm-hmm. ADA to the NBA. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I look at the, the five championships and, and those definitely are five glorious seasons mm-hmm. that they had and you know the 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 the, the 2014 the the perfect season mm-hmm. uh, or the perfect series championship series, series yeah. uh the the way they they put all that together but still one of my all-time favorite seasons that stands out to me is the 78 uh, 79 season um they were fir- they had just won their third straight uh mm-hmm. central division uh title uh, and George Griffin was, I think, in his seventh season in the league, fifth with the Spurs, because he played two seasons with the Virginia Squires uh, in the ABA. And uh, 
So him and, and uh, um, David Thompson were in a battle for the scoring title that year. And they were percentage points apart. And David mm-hmm. Thompson had an early game that day. It was the last game of the season. And David Thompson scored 73. And he moved percentage points Jeez. above George Gervin. And so yeah. the, you know, they came up to him and they, you know, some of the Spurs folks told him, hey, you know, you probably lost the title. David scored 73 points today. And George was just like, well, all right. Well, Doug Moe comes up to him and he, yeah. Doug Moe tells him, Doug Moe was the coach. He says, hey, let's get you that title. Let's get wow. you that title. And the teammates were just looking for him the entire game. He ended up scoring 33 points in one quarter, which was an NBA record at the time. Uh, and then it got broken by Clay Thompson. Uh, but Clay Thompson gave credit to Gervin saying, hey, but Gervin didn't have a three-point nice. shot. The NBA did not have three-pointers at that time. Mm-hmm. So he had 33 points in that quarter. Uh, ended up with mm-hmm. 63 and won, the score, won his, his scoring title. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a, I think it was the yeah. first of three straight uh, yeah. scoring titles. I I, I, re- I remember going to the Hemisphere Arena. Um, I was born around the the very first few years of the of the, the Spurs coming to the NBA. So I remember the steep ramps going up to your seats. Right. Yeah, I remember the steep ramps. I remember you would cut across. The, I remember the fan shop used to be on Commerce Street. Used to be at the corner of Commerce exactly. Street, going into the Hemisphere yeah. Arena. Um, that I remember the. Um, the, the the program seller in the middle of the concourse before you got into the arena in a stand be, yeah yeah help yeah. me remember this why do I remember when actually they made the second level mm-hmm. what do I have a vague memory of TVs hanging underneath is that did, it, do you remember TVs they, they, underneath the the Hemis, no the hemisphere arena was the first NBA arena to have a jumbotron. That was the okay. that that That's was the name of the jumbotron. And I know we refer to big screens in stadiums mm-hmm. as jumbotrons. Well, that mm-hmm. was the name of that. It's just oh, like you know. Okay. You you say Jello. Well, it's gelatin, but Jello is the gelatin, brand. Yeah. Right. It was Kleenex. jumbo. Yeah. It yeah. was jumbotron. Kleenex. Yeah. 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 So it was it was jumbotron, and mm-hmm. and Spurs were the first to have a four sided big screen mm-hmm. uh, scoreboard. Yeah. In the center yeah. of the arena. Um, I, I I remember when the Spurs were bad and they had their lean years. You know, you, you tickets were dirt cheap. I remember the yeah. dirt cheap. I remember the graphics on the Jumbotron. I remember the sandwich one where it said jam. It was yeah. like a piece of bread. Yeah. And like uh, grape jelly will go across yes. and they'll turn it to jam. <laughs> jam. I, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. I remember the, the clapping looks like Mickey Mouse gloves. Exactly. It was, like it was and so I remember, rudimentary I, at that time. It was very, very, very basic. Very yes. basic in those games. And I, you know, I, that's what, you know, I'm, obviously I'm fortunate enough. You're fortunate. You're very more fortunate, you know, to be their first game, but to see this team go from hemisphere, one level hemisphere, two level to the Alamo dome, to the SBC center and AT&T center, now the frost center. Right. So to see their program, Alamo dome too, can't forget that. I had the first ever Spurs PR manager come on lockdown Spurs. Wayne Witt. Uh, um, when they made it to the NBA and he was, what was his name? Wayne Witt. Was it Wayne Witt? He oh, went on to. Sorry, to... lost me. That may have been it. I... Yeah, I think so. So Wayne, um, Wayne Witt was was, was the 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 media uh, the PR person for the Spurs in You're the right. yeah in the eighties 
and one of his interns mm -hmm. was Tom James, who is now uh, uh -huh. head of yeah head of <laughs> head of uh, communications oh, for oh, the, yeah, the whole department. Yeah, yeah. Well, he told me that the the to name the team, they had a citywide contest, and. Yeah, I'll be, I don't know if it's like, you know, well, you remember this, but it was a citywide contest and that the, the, the Spurs name could have been the Aztecs. Correct. Have you ever heard about this? A Aztecs was one of them, Armadillos mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah. and, Armadillos and Roadrunners. Wow. Uh, UTSA, UTSA opened in wow. 1969 and was already the Roadrunners. Mm -hmm. So we could have had both UTSA mm -hmm. and the Spurs. San Antonio NBA team or ABA team at the time. Uh, yeah. But they, they definitely by, wanted by the way, to change Raul, before the chaparrales. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I, I know what they're doing, chaparrales, the chaps, you know. Yeah. But uh, Spurs, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, has a nice, it has a better ring to it. But before we let you go, I can't help but noticing what's behind you. Is that an original Iceman, Ice Throne, George Gervin? That poster. that is an original Iceman uh, poster. Look it wasn't the, the reprint. It's not the reprint that they yeah. did a couple of years back. Uh, I keep saying that I'm going to frame it. Uh, yeah. I just have it on a foam board right now. Uh, I also have, uh, you know, we talk about our young guns. Uh, yeah. You know. Oh we, my we, goodness! We 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 reloaded, is? but but these are the original Look young guns. Look at that! You got. Uh, Willie Anderson, David Robinson, yep. and Sean Elliott. Look at that! And that was that was uh, David's David's and Sean's rookie year, mm -hmm. where uh, they had that you know that that greatest turnaround in mm -hmm. in, in NBA, NBA history, history at yeah. the time. Yeah. Here's another old school one. one. Here, there's Gene Look Banks, at and uh, is that that's uh, that, that Mike Edgar Mitchell, jo Edgar Jones, the flying uh -huh. helicopter. That guy yeah. could fl that guy could jump about as, as high, he was about 6'10", and could jump mm -hmm. as high as, he, he could He could probably challenge Wemby on a jump ball. Wow. That So they called him the human helicopter. Mike Dunleavy, who went on to coach in the NBA, mm -hmm. of course, the Iceman, and uh, here we've got uh, Johnny Moore, one of my all-time favorite Moore, yeah. Spurs players whose career was cut mm -hmm. way too short by Desert Fever. And you got Artis Gilmore, the A-Train. Is that who I think it is next to him? That, is that who I think it is? That's Paul Griffin. And then the last one is Mike Mitchell. Okay, Mike yeah. Mitchell. Now, Gene Banks is funny because I, uh, you know, when I was still a, just a fan at that time, that was a 10-year anniversary in mm -hmm. 1983. Uh, and I had a Sports Illustrated uh, magazine. And it had Ralph Sampson on the cover dunking, but off to the side kind of watching mm -hmm. was Gene Banks who played at Duke. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a college game. And uh, so I want, I, I didn't care about Ralph Sampson. I wanted Gene Banks autograph. Yeah. And so I took the, the sports <laughs> illustrated magazine and asked Gene Banks to, to sign it for me. And he goes, now why you got to show Ralph Sampson <laughs> Ralph Sampson dunking on me? Yeah. <laughs> It went, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you're like, we're probably like, that's the only thing you had at the time, you know, exactly. Just ready. Yeah. yeah, for him. But hey, you know, Raul, we thank you for hopping on Lockdown Spurs, taking us back in time to the Spurs' first ever steps as an NBA team in San Antonio. 
to be there at Hemisphere when it was just one level, smoke-filled place. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I also remember cushion seats. I miss that. Yeah. Cushion seats. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember draft parties there, draft viewing yes. parties there as well. Yeah. I was there for Robinson's, and uh, I was there for Dwayne Shintz's draft viewing party. Nice. Yeah. Yes. And I, he was I actually was, at there. He was there. I was covering uh, yeah. I was covering the very first uh Spurs game for AP when mm -hmm. Dwayne Shinsis and David Robinson started together mm -hmm. as as the uh San Antonio Twin Towers. Yeah. The the, the original Twin Tower, the one that would could have been perhaps. Yeah. If things worked out. You, you know, know, it's you know. funny. David Robinson said about Dwayne Shinsis, you know, and Dwayne obviously never panned out and rest in peace. Mm -hmm. Um, but he said the one thing that Dwayne had was an incredible court vision, court mm -hmm. presence. He'd grab a rebound and could fire a pass. Yes. And just on the mark, you know, he'd grab the rebound and he'd, he'd already spot the guy mm -hmm. and feed the ball. And he said that was one of the, the biggest things that, that, uh, that uh, David Robinson Wayne, said yeah. impressed him about Dwayne Shinsis. Wow. You know, we, we're going to have to bring you back to give us more stories of the Spurs uh, Absolutely. in San Antonio, for yeah. sure. He is Raul Flores. Make sure to follow him on X at R-A-F-L-O-64. You see it on your screen. Again, he is uh, with the AP Radio. Talks all things Spurs for the AP Radio. And you can find him, um, uh, you know, probably sitting with me on Press Row somewhere. You know, Absolutely. You find me, yeah, he's somewhere around next to me. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely a Spurs historian. He knows his stuff. So, again, make sure to follow him right now. He also with other media outlets as well. So he is everywhere in and will come see all things silver and black. And, hey, we thank you for making Lockdown Spurs your first listen each and every day. Free and available wherever you get podcasts, YouTube, Ken's 5 Plus app. The list goes on and on. iTunes, Spotify. I mean, just pick a platform. Seriously, you'll find Lockdown Spurs. Lockdown Sports Today is a new 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Brand new. Go subscribe to it right now. Lockdown Sports Today free 24 7 local hosts national hosts regional hosts they're all there 24 7 so for raul flores i am jeff garcia we're gonna put a lock on this episode of locked on spurs